as barheads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the privilege and the honor of gathering together as family this evening. Thank you for truth that continues to set us free, Father. Thank you for saving us daily and sanctifying us daily and revealing to us the manner in which and the purpose for which you do these things to our benefit, but ultimately to glorify you. May we never lose that perspective. It was the same perspective that was on our Lord's mind as he hung on a cross 2,000 years ago to make all this a reality, even a, an evening like this evening. We do just ask again for your blessings on this evening's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. The Gospel, Salvation, Sanctification, Part 41. I'm hoping that the manner in which uh, I've been called to present this content to you is starting to stick. That he's, you know, I can't account for people that aren't taking the grace the way they should, but for those of you who are, uh, it seems uh, very well received and appreciated um, by all. Uh, just a word to the wise, and this is just uh, sort of off to the side, but something that he wanted me to give you. There are multiple dimensions to salvation and sanctification, which is why seeking a unidimensional definition introduces doctrinal errors. So even though I'm giving you little quips like, you know, positional salvation, you know, from the penalty of sin, um, from, you know, experiential, from the power of sin, ultimate, you know, from the presence of sin. Those are wonderful, high-level ways to capture it. Beautiful, right? But don't make that your doctrine. In other words, don't say, I like little definitions, and that's what I'm going to cling to for the rest of my life because I really just want, you know, less is more for me, that type of a thing. Don't do that. It's wonderful to get them categorically in place like that. Uh, and those are nice ways to think about each one of those three things. But, word to the wise, these concepts, salvation, sanctification, they're multidimensional. Even the gospel was. They're multidimensional. So keep that in mind um, as we press on. We'll begin our lesson the way he's had us begin now for a week with this concept of predestination. It's from that Greek word pro, pro arizo. It means to determine, to foreordain, to mark out, to appoint beforehand. It refers to pre-established boundaries, for example, before creation. Predestination is part of God's divine decree. Before we get back to our instigating passage in Romans 8, remember Romans 8, 29 and 30, uh, where predestination has sort of bubbled up in our studies and he's had us Almost these lessons are in two parts. He's saying, here's the perspective I want you to take, including the way I'm gracing you out, the way you've been predestined. It's all done for me, God says. And then he gets to the sort of nuts and bolts, to the framework. Um, so just think of it that way. But before we get back to our instigating passage in Romans 8, let's consider a couple of more passages for the sake of, of amplification, where we see that Greek word pro-arizo. Go to 1 Corinthians 2.6. 1 
1 Corinthians 2.6. Again, we're just going to amplify this point on the board, the concept uh, in your soul of predestination. It is a lofty concept. Um, you know, if for most, I imagine for most believers even, uh, they've never even heard the word. They may have read about it, but they've not actually done any study on it. You're very, we were talking about that at, before class, uh, Anthony and Bill and I, how has nothing to do with me, but how blessed we are for this place. This is like a gem. This is a pearl in the middle of a triangle of garbage. Amen? I mean, it really is. And so there's a lot of people that might even be in a church tonight that aren't going to get this level of understanding. They're not going to be presented this way. 1 Corinthians 2.6 Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined, pro erizo, predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And again, that's just uh, another passage where the concept of predestination is used. One more, go to Acts 4.27. Acts 4.27. Same Greek word, pro erizo. Acts 4.27. And again, the, the effort here by the Spirit is to elevate your thinking, to give you the right perspective so that you don't go down into the weeds and lose the big picture. That's why he's doing that thing. Like, you know, he's oscillating. Weeds, big picture. Weeds, big picture. Weeds, big picture. For some of you, it might be the very first time you've actually taken that approach and stuck with the big picture while you learned some of the sort of granularity in Scripture. Acts 4.27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined, is proerizo, your hand, do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. That's a very insightful thing to read, isn't it? Even Pontius Pilate, even that whole scene with the passion of Christ, was foreordained. Jesus Christ himself was a man, and he had a destiny. He was predestined for what? The cross, even. So you have to think this way when you read your purpose predestined. Predestination always carries with it the purpose of God. Predestination always carries with it the purpose of God. 
His will is intrinsically represented in every fact, every blessing, every grace gift, even suffering and discipline. Even suffering and discipline. Again, your purpose, so you have to think of it this way, predestination always carries with it the purpose of God. His will is intrinsically represented in every fact, every blessing, every grace gift, even suffering and discipline. We know that if he didn't want it to happen, he wouldn't have ordained it. I believe this is something that a lot of you would do very well to keep in mind as you press on in the face of unrelenting adversity. I'm not going to sit up here and whine every day about how I'm getting attacked. You all heard it already a multitude of times, but it's very true. I'll tell you when he um, asked me to, but just assume that it's unrelenting. And I'm assuming it's the same with all of you. I don't think I'm so special that I'm the only one that's being attacked or being uh, you know, mistreated or suffering even in many ways unjustly for doing what is right, for standing up for what is good. You were predestined to suffer for Christ's sake. A lot of people don't even realize that. They say, what do you mean? You were predestined to suffer for Christ's sake. Go to Philippians 1.29. Philippians 1.29, that may be a shock to some Christians. I thought it was about, you know, gravy train. I thought it was about do this and I get blessings. Heck, that's how I understood the gospel. I got some cheap, watered-down gospel that said, do this thing and I get to go to heaven. Philippians 1.29, but that's not Scripture, folks. That's not a balanced diet of truth. Philippians 1.29, For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Now look at the structure of that sentence. For to you, now put yourself in there, you, Melissa, Lois, Bill, all of you, Scott, you, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Anyone want to guess what the root word for granted is there? I'll give it to you. It's the same root word as grace. Charizomai. Granted from charizomai. Charis means grace. In context, in Philippians 1.29, it refers to the fact that suffering is a grace gift. It follows, then, that if you suffer undeservedly, then you are actually being blessed out with a focus on undeservedly. doesn't mean that you can't be blessed out for or under deserved suffering as well because just suffering is discipline. If you suffer, then you are actually being blessed out. Now, I have to say this because he never lets us off the hook, right? Because there's some people, there's, some, there's got to be someone that's going to hear this message, if not right now, 
at some point and say, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you Why are you suffering? So before you run off and proclaim your undying devotion to suffering for Jesus, here are some, let's call them gray areas. Because I'm not the judge. I'm just making you think about what the nature of suffering. Because we just saw that it's granted to you to suffer for Christ's sake. Which in the Bible means that you're doing something as per the will of God. I mean, if you go outside right now, like a oddball, and strike your own thumb with a hammer on purpose and say, I'm suffering for Jesus, well, I'm going to go on a limb and say you're probably not. Is that fair? So there's got to be a distinction with suffering. And I think a lot of people take a lot of leeway with suffering. So before you run off and proclaim your suffering for Jesus, here are some gray areas that only you and the Lord can work out. Since the topic of suffering can become quite convoluted and speculative, depending on a person's humility. So, this is not some complete list. It's just something to think about. Following. In other words, if you suffer following any of these things, ask yourself, is it deserved or undeserved? Okay. Number one, you lack discipline toward the Word. Why am I not delivered? Why am I not set free? Where's all this grace the bald guy keeps talking about? What do you mean? You're the same person who won't actually listen to the guy. You're the same person who hears what he says and goes, I'm going to do it my way. Thank you. So what do you want? So is it deserved or undeserved suffering if you lack the discipline, if you make bad choices about the Word of God? How about you marry, date, court a jackass <laughs> that wants little or nothing to do with Christ? How about that? You marry, date, or court a jackass that wants nothing to do with Christ. Well, you know, I've been suffering my whole life because of this jackass I married. Well, whose fault is that? Who said I do? Did he, did he or she twist your ear? At the altar? Did he drag you down the, the aisle? No. So is it deserved or undeserved? You have to ask yourself between you and the Lord. You spoil your kids and they become terrors. And they give you grief the rest of your life. Whose fault is that? Not that the kids don't have a part in it, because God's looking at them as well. Is it deserved or undeserved if you contributed to the delinquency of your own children? You have persistent financial troubles, yet you cling to bad habits that cost money. Seriously. I got no money for my boots, and it's snowing. Didn't you just come from the packing? Didn't I just see you buy $30 in scratch tickets? Let me give you some 
statistical analysis on scratch tickets in the Powerball. And then go stand outside and wait to be struck by lightning or eaten by a, sh a land shark. Because I'm just saying, one of those is bound to come quicker than you hitting the Powerball. So save your 30 bucks and buy yourself some shoes. You know what I'm getting at? And you know there are habits that people, I don't want to pick anybody out because, oh, you know, you're just picking on smokers again. No, I'm not. I'm just doing my job. I have bad habits too, so... I'm not pointing any fingers. You suffer physically due to bad health choices. You could just be like that one lady that tried to sue McDonald's for her obesity. True story. She lost, thank God, because what would that mean if she won? Oh, my God, what a precedent. People would be suing everybody. But someone actually filed a lawsuit against McDonald's for her obesity. Blaming McDonald's. I mean, there's a, what, there's a name for every thing now, and it very seldom ends up being the person's fault. So the point is, whatever. When you think about suffering and you think about God's grace, you've got to get it right in the first place. You've got to be honest. You've got to confess what's really going on. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He will deliver you from bad mistakes. We've all made bad mistakes that many of us are living with right now. So it's not like He won't mercifully give you grace after you make a mistake. That's not what He's saying either. But He's saying you have to confess, you have to agree with Him, the nature of that situation. Why you might be suffering consequences of previous sin. So I think you get the point. At the end of the day, as I've taught from the pulpit many times in the past, personally, and I'll just say from my own experience, most suffering is self-inflicted. And you can choose to agree or disagree. I happen to think that it's the same way with everyone. But only God's opinion matters. But anyways, most suffering is arguably self-inflicted. Remember, as we learned recently, there are consequences to sin. <clears throat> and this isn't about condemning anyone and making them feel guilty or bad about their past sins. This is about you just being honest. We're talking about the grace of God. And we're talking about suffering for Jesus. So we have to at least be honest about what that means. Self-inflicted wounds. If you are suffering due to past mistakes... God's grace is that you feel the weight of it so that He can teach you something. In other words, don't do it again then. Don't marry a jackass. Then divorce him or her. And then marry another jackass. And then keep you know, doing this cycle. Or if it's girlfriends and boyfriends, don't choose a girlfriend or boyfriend that has nothing to do with the root of your existence, which is Jesus Christ. And then do that cyclically, or whatever your problem is, right? Quit one habit, start another. I don't know. If you are suffering due to past mistakes, God's grace is that you feel the weight of it so that He can teach you something. That is grace. His grace is in delivering you from it spiritually, most importantly. But He may not relieve you of the consequences. 
right? And what if you had some really bad habits and you're physically wounded now? Because you have a physical problem. Because, I don't know, you ate too many Hostess Twinkies when you were young. I mean, I have a lot of cavities because I didn't brush my teeth for like weeks when I was a kid. I just lied to my mother. That's what 10-year-old boys do. Oh, I totally brushed them. You're in the, you're in the bathroom going, shh. Just tapping his toothbrush. Right? Now I have teeth that are going to, what the heck, they're horrible. One's cracked. Right? We all got sob stories. Right? Am I going to die? No. But I understand that I should have listened to my mother you know, like the Bible says, children, obey your parents. Just saying. So the point is, <clears throat> grace must be appropriated correctly in your soul. He really does want to grace you out, no matter what. But he needs you to be honest. The grace has to be appropriated correctly in your soul. Don't say you're suffering for Jesus when you're not. Because the grace you get when you do suffer for Jesus that he promises he's going to grow you. He's going to strengthen you. Because if you say you're suffering for Jesus and you're really not, it's just a bunch of self-inflicted recyclical garbage, then you're not going to grow that way. But your expectation is that you're going to grow that way. Why am I not getting stronger? Why am I getting worse? Because you're not being honest. He's trying to give you a different kind of grace. It's called wisdom. It's called insight to yourself. It's called humility. But you won't want it. You want to play this game and say you're suffering for Jesus, but you're really not. You're just suffering for yourself. How can I get through this again? How can I get through this again and again and again? Anybody ever pray to the porcelain king? People are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Grace must be appropriated correctly in your soul. Two more points on this, and then we'll move on. First, suffering and grace. We just saw a passage that slammed them together. You'll never fully understand God's will if you refuse His conviction. You must confess the truth about yourself. If you lack that wisdom, for example, introspection. Some people, you know, they might be a little less introspective. They might not be mature enough to see what is actually going on in their own soul. But they grow up and they see things. If you lack that wisdom, for example, introspection, then go directly to Him in prayer and stay humble. Don't waste this time, quote-unquote. Again, you'll never fully understand God's will uh, if you refuse His conviction. You must confess the truth about yourself. If you lack that wisdom, for example, introspection, then go to Him directly in prayer. Don't ask your friend, or your friends, plural, about what's going on in your life. Go to Him in prayer. They don't know what's going on. They're going to half the time, and you know how it is, one half of your Rolodex of the friends you call when you just want to hear what you want to hear. And then you got like one that you never call because they're the one that has integrity that tells you what you don't want to hear, but it's actually done in love. You know what I'm getting at? 
So you call these 50 first and then, just saying. Go to him in prayer. And while you're there, stay humble. James 1.5 up here on the board. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You want to know what's going on in your life? You want to know why you're still in bondage? You want to know why you're still, what, have that problem that you have? Well, go talk to God about it. Honestly, just get down on your knees or roll over in bed or whatever the heck you do. Go stand on your head. I don't care. Right? It doesn't matter. Just get with him somehow. Most people don't even have enough time in their day planners to put aside for him. But there's scripture right there. I mean, there it is. What does it say? If you lack wisdom, including about your own situation, then go to him in prayer. And he will give you to you generously, without reproach. He's not there to try to, you know, re-crucify his son through you. We've already gone over that. He already knows every sin. He just wants you to be honest. I'm broken. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. No, for real, that's, I've, has anybody not said that to God? I don't know what's going on. I'm, actually, I'm a little PO'd at you right now, just to be honest. Some people are, I never get mad at God. Yes, you do. Right? You know what I'm saying? I don't mean mad, mad. I mean, like, you know, like, what's, what gives? You know, I thought, I, was, I thought you and me were like this. You know, thought we were tight. And he's like, you haven't been suffering for Jesus. You've been suffering for yourself. All your little games. I've been trying to tell you in prayer, but you never come, first of all, to me in prayer. And second, when I get you, you're not humble. You're arrogant. And it's all about you, 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 no matter what, even the spiritual life. You, 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 you. That's all I hear from you is you, you, me, me. I want to pray for this. I pray for this. I mean, me, me, me. These are all my plans, by the way. Me, 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 me. That's all I hear. When you're ready to be honest, then let's talk. And that's when he'll give you the appropriate wisdom. So that's why I have that emphasis. Stay humble. God's not coin-operated. Does that make sense? Here's a principle from a few lessons back that echoes the same principle the Spirit's driving home here. Sanctification and confession. Confession is being honest with God in the privacy of your own soul. Not that he needs to be informed. Rather, that you need to face the facts about yourself. Maybe you're feeling the full weight of the self-inflicted wounds because that's what is required for you. He's saying, I kind of want you to be in that miserable state so you have nowhere else to go but back to me. Second, regarding the concept that grace must be appropriated correctly in your soul, here we go again. Are you seeing a theme yet on prayer? Pray, pray, and pray. If you lack the wisdom to understand the nature of your suffering, then pray. Even if you're mistaken for a time, we all are. Remember the Spirit intercedes for you in prayer. As I was talking with Anthony before class, you know, and I've, I think I wrote a blog on this, and I've, I know I've taught on it. So much about prayer is about you. God's going to do what he has to do in everyone's life. 
And he will listen to pray. We know that's scripture. But sometimes he doesn't act on our prayer in the sense that we're asking. So he's going to do what he has to do. So where does that leave you? It means what he's really trying to do is get all of us in moments as often as possible of intimacy with him so that he can actually talk to us so that he can actually communicate to us without all the distractions and don't be doing this with ps4 in the background call of duty you know what i'm saying joey is that what everybody's playing on joey's like i don't have that right you don't do this with distractions you don't do it when you're driving a car you don't do it when you vacuum. I'm not saying you can't talk to them during these things, but you need some time, alone time, one-on-one time, focused time with God. So pray, pray, pray. If you lack the wisdom to understand the nature of your suffering, then pray. Even if you're mistaken for a time, we all are. Remember the Spirit intercedes for you in prayer. Romans 8, 26 to 27, go there. Romans 8, 26. <clears throat> <clears throat> Romans 8:26 In the same way the spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see that? Even when you go like a clumsy buffoon to the throne of grace, there God has provisioned himself and his Spirit to intercede for you. So you might be going there praying for God knows what. How selfish sometimes are we in prayer? God. It's Christmas time. Gave me this jackass over here. You know, it'd be really nice if you hooked me up. Foot massager, just saying. Talking of the human sort, too. (laughs) I mean... God will see right past all that, see your wounded heart, say, that's ridiculousness, what you're asking for, but I see you, and here you are, boldly, before the throne of grace, your heart is good, I'm going to bless you out. Because you came to me, looking for counsel, looking for wisdom. Sometimes you're not even asking the right things, you're over there asking all the wrong things. But I see your heart, I know you're You think you're doing right by me. You want to do right by me. I gave you an obedient heart when I saved you. I gave you a heart for my son when I saved you. So I'm going to help you out. Just may not be the way you think. I'm going to send my spirit on your behalf. Not only to help you, but to intercede for you. So those are just two final thoughts on what we just noted with the principle that grace must be appropriated correctly in your soul. Here's that verse that instigated that whole thing, Philippians 1.29 up here. For to you it has been granted 
Charismai, charis means grace, refers to the fact that suffering is a grace gift. If you suffer, undeservedly is our focus, then you are actually being blessed out for Christ's sake. Not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. For you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. We might summarize our grace and suffering points this way. Grace is illumined with confession and prayer. You want to understand God's grace, folks? Seriously, you want to understand what he's doing in your life, what he's trying to do in your life, what he's persistently done in your life after salvation, at salvation, all of it, how he saves you daily, how he sanctifies you daily. You know what you have to do? You have to be honest. You have to be humble. You have to go to him in prayer. That's when you realize his grace. Because if you're just a spoiled little brat talking about suffering for Jesus, then you're going to miss it. And eventually you're probably going to burn out because that's what the flesh does. The flesh has some stamina because it's stubborn, but eventually it burns out. And when you burn out, you go back to your old habits, don't you? That you did in self-sanctification. Grace is illumined with confession and prayer. To borrow from another verse we visited recently, 1 Peter 4.19, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust paratithemi. It's a banking term that means to deposit for safekeeping refers to a complete surrender of one's soul to God who is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1.9, Therefore, those, who, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Okay, say I'm being a spoiled brat. I'm, a spo- I'm, I'm being a spoiled brat. I proclaimed I was suffering for Jesus, but I guess I wasn't. <laughs> I guess all this time I'm just a self-absorbed jerk. All the whining and complaining is just me being self-absorbed. All my excuses for what? Torturing my poor body that you gave me to glorify you in time. It's all self-absorption. Trust is arguably the hardest thing to gain, but the easiest to lose in this world. So we all have trust issues. That's not God's fault. Trusting in God's grace is a function of our previous principle, of course, which is this. Grace is illumined with confession and prayer. You don't go before someone that you don't trust and pour your heart out. Is that fair? You pour your heart out in front of those you trust the most. Well, if you truly trust God with all of your soul, you entrust it. Like we just saw, the bank is turned. You hand over, you surrender everything to Him. Then you will confess to Him. You will be honest. Especially in prayer. Because at that juncture, you're just trying to get a glimpse of his will. You're just trying to get to what's pleasing to him. You've lost the self-life. Really, it's about him who purchased you, 
who is your master, who has a deed over your life because he paid for it. That's where true confession comes in. That's where meaningful, deep, resolute prayer comes in. And that's where he reveals to you his grace. That's the greatest depths where you're going to go with him. It's interesting to note, by the way, that this little sidebar on grace and suffering is so intrinsically tied to predestination that we simply need to read on in our current passage to pick up where we left off. Look at that. In Romans 8.27, right? Well, let's just keep reading. Uh, How about that? (laughs) Those are little things that I find very uh, fun. I know, a little nerdy, but there's meaning there. There's a proximity there, and you should think of it that way. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. Up here on the board again, predestined means to predetermine, to foreordain, to mark out, to appoint beforehand, refers to pre-established boundaries, for example, before creation. Predestination is part of God's divine decree. The net net of all this is something we noted on Sunday. Every believer then was made predestined to be delivered. And that's that big picture perspective he's given us. Your deliverance is part of God's divine decree. When God decrees something, it is absolute. Now, to help us with perspective on this concept, we thought of it this way, the divine decree. When the Word makes a statement about God's decree, for example, predestination of believers, it, he, remember, is the Word, is speaking from his perspective, his present tense, which is different than man's naturally. Our present tense is moment by moment, second by second. God's present tense is everything right now. Boop, done. Take time and flatten it to nothing. Right? That's the way God looks at your life, the way he looks at you, the way he looks at your salvation, your sanctification, your deliverance, all of it. It's done. The reason for the emphasis on this as of late is to hone our perspective which looks like this, emphasis on predestination gets you thinking in absolute certainty about salvation and sanctification. There's a good work. It's really hard to teach. But there's a good work that he's trying to do in you right now. He's saying, I need you to elevate your thinking as close as possible to mine, the way I think about predestination. Absolute certainty about salvation and sanctification. You do have a purpose in this life, and it is to be sanctified to God for His glory. Go to Ephesians 3.11. That's your purpose, folks. And you know with absolute certainty, Philippians 1.6, that He will complete that good thing He started in you. The only people that need to get confused or need to worry about those things are the people that don't understand what I just said. 
because it's possible they're not regenerate. A regenerate person is going to get what I just said. It may be academically aloof right now. They may be sort of fitting pieces together. But they'll get it because they know in their heart that they are predisposed for obedience even. They are predisposed to learn the Word of God even. And although they might wander a little bit, they understand what he's saying, that he has a purpose. And it's not It's not a, a, a bet that's being hedged in their soul. Well, if I say this, that, and the other, then, and if God's got it all under control, then I don't have to do anything then. I'm just going to sit back and be over here like this selfish, self-absorbed, disobedient, don't want to hear anything to do with truth, just, you know, once in a while I'll go through the routine, person. That's the person we focused on at the beginning of the series, like the first ten lessons that person has a real problem. That person will hear lessons like this one, like the principle on the board, emphasis on predestination gets you thinking about absolute certainty about salvation and sanctification. That person looks at that principle and goes, I have no idea what the heck he's talking about. Sounds grand, though. Sounds like I got a few more chips in my basket that I can hedge bets with. Sounds like I don't have to do anything because God's going to take care of everything. And that is true. But to a believer with a changed heart who has a new nature that can only do good things that are pleasing to God, there's a whole nother transcendent reality to that situation. It's a reality that includes gratitude. Rejoicing always. Pray without ceasing. Even though you might not do it today, in your heart of hearts, let's call it, you want to. If you're a believer. You do have a purpose in this life, and it is to be sanctified to God for His glory. Ephesians 3.11 This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which He carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. The point here is that you, my friends, have a purpose. I can't remember the series title, but I remember teaching a series on you had a purpose. I can't remember the title name, but I remember the concept that you have a purpose. It was very edifying because I think sometimes we forget and we even, in a sense, belittle ourselves. We let the world take hold of us. And in light of the world, it's true, folks. Look, we're shrinking away. I don't know about you, but I have hardly any reputation whatsoever left. It's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the guy, uh, Mr. North and uh, what's that? Santa Claus coming to town? Who is that? Who is that, Sean? Oh, man, you guys. (laughs) Old Mr. North. You know what I mean? Just a few magic corn kernels. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sean, what movie is that? Santa Claus Comes Coming? Yeah. What was the guy's name? Mr. North? Old Mr. Old North? Oh, my God. You guys, don't you guys ever watch ungodly shows? <laughs> Anyways, there goes the whole thing. 
There's like no mat. There's no, listen, there's no reputation left. Get used to it. Right? I'm leading. I'm out in front. I'm telling you, it's like a wedge. Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory, the little door. Oh, my God. Impossible group. The further you go, the, the, your reputation goes. So it's nothing. And you say, praise the Lord, because I don't want that thing. That thing has just caused me problems. There's a certain attractiveness to a secular reputation. There is. It's like, kind of liked it. Kind of got some street credibility out of it. So there's this struggle. But I'm telling you right now, don't be looking for uh, reputation points with the world if you're going to keep with this thing and press on and you know go to him in prayer don't have those expectations they're just speed bumps to your spiritual walk the point again up here on the board you have a purpose folks and it's not to increase in this world as paul says you know he must increase i must decrease it's not to increase yourself in this world a lot of people say that too it's all about achievement. I'm achievement-oriented. Boom, 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 boom. This is just another achievement. Mm-mm-mm. I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. Boom, 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 boom. It's all about achievement. Why? Because it's all about me. No offense to you runners over here in this corner. Right? I'm just saying, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you run a race. I'm going to win. I'm going to, you know, I'm just all about me. Get me some crowns. You do have a purpose, but it's not self-sanctifying. You do have a purpose, but it's not you bring glory to you. God's not blessing you out so that you can go be uh, set apart for the world. So you can be your own little royalty in this world. Eternal purpose refers to the church's Supreme purchase of glorifying God. That's your purpose, folks. If you ever lose sight of that, what do you do? Go to him in prayer. Because he'll tell you. You lost sight of it. We members have been predestined to partake in that activity. I alluded to this earlier. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. I'm debating when I should stop. I think I'm going to stop. It's about 10 minutes early, but if I go into the next section, it's going to be too much. I hope you understand what he's saying, though, folks, that you really do have a purpose in this life that It's true that He does sanctify you. He does save you daily. And those things are guaranteed. But that doesn't preclude you from making good decisions. It doesn't preclude you from being humble because God gives grace to the humble. 
You really want to understand grace, folks? Confess and pray. And pray for the basis of the revelation of grace. Pray to him. Say, Father, show me grace. I just want to see your grace because this life I'm living, really, truth be told, sucks. This life I'm living for myself. Let me put it, let me qualify that. This life I'm living for myself, it really stinks right now. And I need you. I need you, merciful God, to show me the right way because my way isn't working. That's when grace will be illumined to you. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of studying your word here this evening. We ask for your blessings as we take what we've learned out to a lost and dying world, Father, that needs it so desperately. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.